following sermon is from Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you've never reached out to Calvary before, we'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. And now, here's Dr. Dan. If you have your copy of the scriptures, join me if you would in Genesis chapter... One Genesis chapter 1. Did you ever think you'd live to see the day when we could have video phone calls with people through their cell phones? This is like something out of the movie Back to the Future. And did you ever think you'd live to see the day when a doctor could conduct surgery with the use of a robot from miles away from the patient? Did you ever think you'd live to see the day when a Chevy Silverado with a thousand miles on it would sell for $72,000. Or that gas would be $4 and you'd think you got a good deal when you paid $369 at Sam's Club. Did you ever think you would live the, to see the day that we would be told to trust the science, but also told that a doctor, an expert in her field, is not qualified to determine whether a child is a boy or a girl at birth. Did you ever think you would live to see the day when a man could win a woman's beauty competition? An obese man at that. And that those who think there's a problem with this are, would be viewed as the problem. Did you ever think you would live to see the day? But the church is also involved with this. The secular world is not alone in this. The other day, did you ever think you would live to see the day when a church would hold a family-friendly drag show? Did you ever think you would live to see the day? I suspect that 20 years ago, if you asked those pastors, would you oversee such an event, they would have said, are you crazy? But they were already on the road to that destination, whether they knew it or not. How did they get on that road? They got on that road the moment they abandoned God's design, His foundation for the family, in favor of the secular view, which does not keep God at the foundation. This morning, we will look at the foundations of the family and the foundation of really all of human society. Psalm 11, verse 3 says, If the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? That verse is speaking of the biblical foundations of righteousness according to God's Word. Marriage, sex, family, and gender are a part of that foundation. We will seek to reestablish those foundations by examining God's Word. This morning we return to the beginning in Genesis. There we see God created human beings to represent Him and rule the earth on His behalf. And that includes the foundational truth that we were created male and female. I haven't done this in a while, but please stand if you would in honor of the reading of God's Word. Because it is the authority that we stand under. Then God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens 
and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the, fa of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given you every plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I come to you today with the recognition that what I'm about to say from your word is correct because it's your truth. I'm also fully aware that our culture has rejected this. And even those who claim the name of Christ also seem to be rejecting basic principles. I pray that as I proclaim your word this morning, you'd help me to maintain the right spirit and attitude as you sent me here with this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I have wrestled uh, for a week, not so much with the meaning of the text, but with how to approach it. What angle, what should be my disposition, and my goal is to, on one level, be somewhat academic, but um, I'm not a dispassionate person. I'm quite concerned about what we see. Nevertheless, about 30-some years ago, I guess I was fifth or sixth grade, that was over 30 years ago, we had a, a, a girl join our, our football team named Jenny. And so when you see all these people saying, the first football player, the first this, Jenny crushed all these people. She was playing football with the boys, only girl on the team, for one year. Um, I don't say this to tease her, but we sort of deduced from listening that she wanted to be, well, she had a crush on Bernie Kosar, the legendary Cleveland Browns quarterback. And so she wanted to play quarterback. She was on the team. She was second or third string uh, quarterback. And I don't remember much happening other than she handed off the ball a couple times in, in practice. I'm not teasing. I'm not mocking. I'm just observing. As far as I know, nobody was mean to her. I've never asked her. But I would also tell you this. Every single boy on the team sort of wrestled with, what do we do here? Because if she runs me over, I look like I got run over by somebody that God has made to be not quite as strong as me. And if I light her up, everything inside of me as a, a young man tells me that that was wrong. She played. As far as I know, everyone was kind to her and nobody lit her up and that was the end of it. Did you ever think he would live to see the day that a, a man would grow his hair long, change his name to a girl's name, and would be celebrated for crushing women in, in their sports? How did we get here? We got here because we have abandoned the foundations. 
we have abandoned the foundations. Today we're going to begin a journey of about four weeks where we begin to reestablish the foundations. I never thought 20 years ago or even 10 years ago or five years ago that it would be necessary to establish the established what was self-evident that God has made us male and female and there's only two genders. But here we are. First thing I want us to see in Genesis 26, God created human beings to represent him and rule the earth on his behalf. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I should mention in passing, at the very least, this idea of the word dominion. Other translations render the word rule. Those are both good translations. That is an uncomfortable word for us today. We don't like the idea of someone ruling. I would simply say this. God has no problem with there being an authority figure. But that authority figure has the authority and thus the power so that they can help things flourish. Not so they can pillage. So dominion and rule are good things. It's to make sure things are fruitful and productive. We have a man in our church named Floyd who's uh, he, he's wonderful. If you ever drove by his house, his yard is well-maintained because he has dominion over his trees. Even now, he climbs them. I'm not sure it's a good idea, but he does it. But then there's this word there, image. In the Hebrew, it's selim. It could be translated variously, image, likeness, statue, figurine. The word was occasionally used to describe an idol. But understand something, the image represents someone or something else. So a king, would, a king would erect a statue to proclaim his rule over a territory. And so God put us on earth to proclaim his rule over earth. He gives us jobs to do, tasks to execute, as we have dominion over the little corner of the earth that God has placed under our care. Humans were created to represent God's rule over the earth. This is God's purpose for us. He created human beings to rule on his behalf. Human beings represent God and rule earth on his behalf. And he holds us responsible for how we execute those tasks. What does that mean? Well, I am not the president of the United States but I am to have dominion over my family, over my home, my finances, whatever my job is, whatever your job is. If it's, if it's an accountant, you have dominion over those numbers. And I'm glad that's you, not me, because I can't make sense of it. But you're to have dominion. Our president, he has dominion over a lot of things. And he, and I, he will be called to answer for how he uses that authority, same as you will be, same as I will be. We've been called and given a task. We have been given the responsibility to have dominion, to rule over a part of the earth that God has determined for us. For us. Not only has God created us to represent Him and rule on His behalf, verse 27, God created human beings to represent Him as both male and female. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. 
God created only two genders. Only two genders. I remember about 10 years ago, I was in a, uh, I was with my youth, and one of my youth said, he, was, he, he, did, he thought it was funny. He said, there's this Facebook page where they actually list out 85 different genders. And in preparing for this, I said, what do the scientists say? Well, I came across a, an expert with a PhD in psychology who said there are 15. Well, that's kind of closed-minded because they said there was 85. Where's the other 70? But I think I found my old youth website that he found, the, the Facebook page. And there's now 112. Well, why not 1,012? No, there's just two. And in case you're wondering, some, some would be listening and think that I have not understood that some people are making a distinction between gender and sex. I understand that there is said to be a difference. We'll talk about those. But God has determined that gender, the expression of sexuality, is to represent what has been given biologically. So we'll talk about those. But God has created only two genders. God purposely created human beings, male and female, so that together we might represent him and rule well over the portion of the earth that he has assigned to us. Men and women are created capable of so many things. But one thing a man cannot do is give birth. One thing a woman cannot do is inseminate an egg. Did you ever think you would live to see the day then that would be a controversial statement? How did we get here? We got here because we have abandoned a biblical view of biological sex and gender. So what are we talking about here? If you ever heard anybody talking about this, you can get lost in translation because we're talking about two separate terms that are really supposed to be held together. But we have confused them. By the way, that's on purpose. Biological sex is determined at birth, period. Actually, I would say it goes farther back. It goes to conception in the mind of God. Gender roles as male and female are culturally created. Let's talk about that. So when Jenny played football with me in sixth grade, um, it was sort of out of the ordinary. I didn't know of anybody, any girl ever playing football ever until her. And we kind of were like, oh, okay, you know, we're used to be cheerleading, but okay, you can play with us. We're not sure we want to run you over. I hope you don't have to go do drills against Kevin Kuechling because I don't want to run up against Kevin Kuechling or Bodie Lancaster for that matter. But we have these gender roles and these ideas such as uh, boys wear blue and girls wear pink, and those are culturally created. And the idea is this. There is some truth to the statement that gender, culturally, gender roles are culturally created, but this truth is often used dishonestly in the current controversy. It is not illegitimate to create distinct things for male and female. It's not illegitimate, but that is the current argument which confuses many people, college students especially, because they sound so smart, and they've got letters after their name, never minding that the fact that what they're saying is actually quite stupid. Yeah, I said it. Gender roles are culturally created. Look at this. God's desire is that our culture and every culture Every society would embrace gender roles that express the distinction between male and female rather than minimize and flatten out those distinctions. I'm going to say that again. God's desire, I'm going to go back one more line. Cultural, clothing is a cultural creation. Gender roles are a cultural dis, uh, creation. 
to some extent. But God's desire is that our culture would embrace gender roles that express, express and embrace the distinction between male and female rather than minimize and flatten out those distinctions. It is not capricious, to borrow a word that probably nobody uses, to have gender roles. It's not capricious to have pink or blue. We can decide whether some of these gender roles are appropriate or not, but it is appropriate to make a distinction between male and female. In fact, God commands the people of God to do just that. To do just that. So God's desire for a righteous people was revealed in what He commanded them to do and what not to do. That stands to reason. These commands included ensuring that their clothing, a cultural creation, expressed the distinction between male and female. Deuteronomy 22.5 A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. A couple things going on. Number one, if that's in the Bible, that means that that was actually happening at the time that the thing was written. So this isn't something newfangled. People were doing this back then. And so God said, don't do that. It's an abomination to me. It's offensive. Embracing and expressing gender differences is a part of the law of God for the people of God. Gender to, is to be intentionally linked to biological sex. Ezekiel 44.23 adds some things for us to consider. They shall teach my people, talking about priests and Levites, probably pastors too. They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common and show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. Well, as we just saw in Deuteronomy 22.5, Distinctions between male and female is a part of what's considered clean. God intends for both priests and parents to teach gender differences because they are a part of being a man or woman of God. Decision shouldn't be controversial, but generally speaking, until about two weeks ago, it was assumed to be true that men were physically stronger than women on average. That, now that's controversial. We're also told that there's no difference between men and women. And so I would simply ask, would the culture prefer that when we saw Jenny, who was clearly a female, playing football, that we just annihilated her like she was anybody else? Or do we want men to be men and understand that they were giving strength to protect others, not harm them? But if you tell them that they're no different than women, why would they do that? They would have dominion in the ugly sense of the word, not in the sense of providing for and protecting and using their strength to build a life together. God intends for both priests and parents to teach gender differences because they are a part of being a man or woman of God. Deuteronomy 6, this is called the Shema because it begins with the Hebrew word that means hear. Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That's cultural creations. That's jewelry. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Translation, you should teach kids how to obey God and honor God. You should have artwork that honors God. It should be into the foundations of your house. You are to teach them. And as we saw in Deuteronomy 22.5, which is just 16 chapters later, that included recognizing, embracing, and expressing that there is a difference between male and female. The first time I ever heard somebody do the opposite was about 25 years ago in a psychology class in a secular college. She was a guy that's younger than I am now, but uh, older than I was then. He had a PhD, so that must meant he knew what he was talking about. And he shared with us that he, his, at his nephew's birthday, he would mess with his brother-in-law by buying girls' toys for his nephew. Now, back then, I didn't know how to say what was wrong with that, but it was clearly wrong. Because now, as a dad, I would tell you that would be a really quick way to be uninvited from all future family events because I don't trust you trying to twist as a joke, something that God said is important. He was right in stating that gender distinctions are culturally created. Where he was wrong is in asserting that it was illegitimate to make a distinction between male and female in clothing and toys. It is not. God commanded human beings to multiply. So here we go. Why did God give us different genders? To multiply. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to stick with our main point, but I think I want to just mention in passing, some would be uncomfortable with the idea that human beings would have dominion over the fish and over birds and, and all these things. The Bible later expresses some concern about humans treat animals. One verse says the righteous cares for the needs of his animals. There's also a verse that, that talks about making sure you don't mess with the bird's nest because, well, you touch a bird's egg and mama might leave forever. And there's also somebody in cruelty hamstrung horses, and God, God was fed up with that guy over it. So the Bible has things to say about that. You don't, dominion doesn't mean harsh pillaging and plundering. It means ruling well for the good of all involved. But verse 28 gives us both a blessing and a command. And obedience to the command brings even more blessing. The, the command, uh, have dominion and also be fruitful and multiply. That is a command that brings, well, blessing. Uh, honeymoon was, was fun if you've not been on one. And so we see there's a joy that's created there. Also the reproducing of children. 
God made human beings male and female so that together we can reproduce. Now, a little side note, a sidebar. What about those who don't get married? Well, ultimately God is sovereign in that. Second thing, what about those who, for whatever physical reason, are not able to have children? I would just simply say God is sovereign over that too. But that does not disprove, it rather proves the rule that God made us male and female so we could have children, so we could reproduce. By the time you get to Genesis 5 and Genesis 9, it becomes apparent in the text that when humans get together and make children, they're trying to echo the language and saying, look, just like God did, I brought forward a man after my own image. If you had kids, you kind of know they start to look like you. In fact, I looked in a Sunday school class this morning. I said, boy, that, that person sure looks like their mom. Uh, I'm a little heavier than I used to be, so I wasn't sure that Carter looked like Chrissy or me. I wasn't sure. Then a friend of mine put a picture of us up from when we were 17 years old when I was skinny. And I said, I look like Carter. He is my son after all. Austin looks like grandpa. When our kids start to look like us, and it's like, wow, that's my son. That's God. Those are my kids. I made them, and now because of sin, they've gone far from me. But understand something. Male and female is intentional for reproduction. Period. And so these gender roles, which we say are different from sex, are not to be different from sex. There are people who walk around wearing costumes and declare their gender as furries. Okay, do that, but don't make me teach my kids that. Please, don't come near my children with that perversity. Do that somewhere else. God purposefully and wonderfully made distinctions between things that He created. When you start, I'm not great with Hebrew but I can read a little bit of it, so to prepare, I started to read Genesis 1 in Hebrew. And I'm not trying to say that to show off. I'm saying what it does is it makes you really slow down and say, now, what is this word? What's this sentence? What's he saying? What emerged as I read it in Hebrew was this. God created things and was intentionally making distinctions. A couple of examples. When he makes water, there's water on the earth. It pools up. We swim in it, fish in it wash our hair with it, there's also water in the air, in the firmament, in the clouds. God made a distinction. He put sun and moon and other stars in the, in the night sky and we calendar out our years by it. Harvest moon and winter moon and waxing gibbous and all these other strange names that I didn't know until I started studying it out. It was to give us a calendar to organize life because without distinctions, it's hard to make sense. It becomes like, like, ever been to a fun house? And it's really not that fun because the, the mirrors and the walls are all like confusing because it doesn't seem to make any sense. Well, that's life without distinctions between things. In a 24-hour period of time, you've got daytime and nighttime all in one day. You have... All of these things are created good and there's distinctions made. And there's even human beings. We've tried to flatten out the difference between man and animals and gorillas are just like us and 98% of our DNA matches theirs. Well, guess what? That's true of cats also. 
but one of us was made in the image of God and one was not. God made a distinction. You're not equal to a cow. You were placed over them for their good and God's glory. God purposefully and wonderfully made distinction between the things that he created. So it should not be a shocker that in the human race you have male and female. Is there overlap? Sure. But there are clearly distinctions between the two. And those distinctions provide both order and purpose to the world. Your God-given, purposefully chosen gender is not an accident. God's purpose for your life includes your biologically determined gender. God provided also, not only gender, but we're going to see in his good creation, uh, he provided food for his creatures. And God said, verse 29, and God said, Behold, I have given every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. Each kind of tree and each kind of plant produces its own and reproduces itself. Just like human beings, that's why gender was there. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. As I understand it, before sin entered the world, we were animals and people were vegetarians. But God provided fruits to sustain life for humans and animals. But even in the provision of food... A distinction was made. The fruit of one tree was off limits. And to transgress those limits would bring death. Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's creation is good. Verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Human beings are the crowning jewel of God's creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Part of that is your gender that God gives you at birth. God created human beings to represent him and rule the earth on his behalf. Part of that foundational truth is that God has intentionally made human beings male and female and that gender is assigned at birth. Gender is, as God intended it, is good and is a part of God's created order. It is foundational. So why are we doing this? I've become aware that Christians are not so sure that we can stand on the foundations or that we should. The reality is whatever goes on in the world around us, you and I have to stand firm on what God's Word says. I have no control over what's done in Washington and neither do you. I can vote. I've got one. But I would tell you that uh, I've seen guys that I voted for in the past are now voting for things that are against God's word. We vote. Regardless of what they do, you and I are responsible before God for what we do. 
And you and I will not stand for what is right if we're not convinced that the foundation was good. So what would I say to somebody who struggled with this? They kind of feel like, okay, my biological gender, my sex doesn't match up with myself. First thing I would tell you is, if you've been listening to me, you might have thought, this guy up there hates me. I don't. I don't. Maybe you think, well, this guy thinks God hates me. I don't. I don't. God loves you. That's why he sent Jesus into the world to save us. You and I are all sinners. We all struggle with different things and in different ways. So what would I say? Well, you know, there are people in the church world that, there's a Bible verse that warns us that, that there will be people who profess a godliness but deny the power of it. And I think a part of that denial is denying that people can change. I can't change myself. And if you're struggling with gender identity, you probably tried but found that you couldn't. What I do know is that God can change an addiction from drug addicts, alcohol, pornography, if God can change that, could he not also redeem and change you? What we see in the Bible is this. God created everything on purpose for a purpose. And when we live life God's way according to his design, we dwell in the place of blessing. But when we deviate from that plan, it brings brokenness. The Bible has a word for it when we deviate from God's plan, and that word is sin. Brokenness shows up in all kinds of ways. Yeah, we've been talking about gender roles, and if you don't know me real well, I don't have hobby horses. I, pick, I preach through books of the Bible. I just couldn't ignore the topic any longer. But it looks like that. It, it looks like politicians lying to you. It looks like, um, it looks like governments creating diseases that they accidentally let slip out of their places. It looks like people getting addicted to drugs. It looks like families falling apart. It looks like cities tearing each self apart. It looks like all that mess and a bunch of other mess I didn't mention. And so what we do as humans is we try our best to try to sort of manage the pain. And if I feel confused about my gender, I'll, I'll try to, I don't know, there's 112 that I know of, so pick one. We try that. If we're the dating life's not working out. Why? We'll just date more because that's going to solve the problem. We just try different things, but it usually just brings more brokenness. And that's really not that hard to see. And the pain of the brokenness is real. Our world is hurting. And I think it's hurting because it's abandoned truth. They're no longer tethered to reality. The bad news is that the pain is real and the, the wages of sin are indeed death, but the good news is this. Into this broken, confused, messed up world that keeps trying to fix itself only to tear itself down again, Jesus came. He lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins and rose again, and when we put our turn from sin and turn to him in faith, we are forgiven of our sins, but there's more to the story than that. There's something that happens. God, in the life of a believer, places the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in you. He empowers you to, get this, reclaim God's original purpose and design for your life. That includes 
holiness the way God intended. That's redemption. So whether you're a person that struggles with whether your biological gender matches up with your experiential gender, or maybe it's just something else, an addiction, or a tendency to be unable to forgive somebody and so your relationships fall apart. I don't know what it is, but that brokenness is real, and the bad news is real, and that hurts the good news that Jesus Christ came so that you could be saved and redeemed. As Chad comes to play our song of invitation, I sort of really wrestle with how do we close a sermon like this out? Well, same way we always do. Sin is bad news, but the good news is that Jesus Christ came to save us and redeem us. For the child of God, we can worship and we're going to about the wisdom and knowledge of God. But maybe there's somebody that you know and love that needs prayed for. Maybe you're a, a teacher and you're in the middle of this and you're not sure what to do. Pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Or maybe this morning, it, whatever the thing is that separated you from God, your solution is the same as whether, whether your sin is... A, Lying to mom and dad, that was my first sin that I can remember. Or departing from your biologically determined gender. Whatever the case is, sin separates us from God. But the good news is that God wants to redeem us. And that's why he sent Jesus. And this morning, if you'd like to call him for salvation, I invite you. Make your way to the front. I'll be calling him for salvation. He will hear you. He will save you. Please stand for our song of response. You've been listening to Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. Thank you for listening.